thanks again for joining us here on our uh, interview segment of Neon Jazz. You were born in Detroit, raised in Kansas City, and now you're in Nashville, three big music towns. How have each of these pieces of your life shaped the way you view and carry on in your music? Well, uh, Kansas City um, uh, was and is still currently a really big part of my life and will be in the future. The music in that town... It's got a community to it. It's got a beat. It's got a vibe. And it's always been something that I've noticed since I was a kid. I grew up in an artist family. And so I was kind of always out with them and listening to people and being influenced by, um, you know, people at the time that I considered to be untouchable just in my, you know, local world. I found out later that some of them were world renowned, (laughs) but I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about that. And then later in my life, I ended up being able to work with these people. I think it, it shaped me more than I thought at the time. It kind of gave me an idea that the whole world was like that. Uh, you know, had a beat, had a community, and had jazz in it. That was really, really strong. And then you, you go out and you find that there are communities everywhere, but they're, they're not the same uh, as far as Kansas City goes. Uh, Nashville is, is similar to that in the fact that it has a community, has a songwriter community, uh, and has musicians everywhere. Um, really good players that uh, want to be together. They want to work together. They want to write together. They want to. They want to talk about it. And they're they're very similar in that way. And it has not been difficult for me to go back and forth and back and forth between those two two homes. Uh, and it's been instrumental in me being able to find my own voice as a songwriter. Both of those places completely. I don't think without either one of them, I don't think I would be where I'm at today. Certainly, uh, they're both has been very special. When did you first start singing, and what instruments do you play? Um, I started singing um, forever. I always sang. Um, We didn't do uh, voice lessons in my house. All of my siblings are vocalists and play instruments. Um, All of us play guitar and piano. My parents both play piano, and my mother plays guitar. So... I guess we all, I guess that was kind of just the way it was in the house. So I guess I really started singing well when I was in middle school. Before that, you know, I had kid voice, which is, you know, a little bizarre. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I would say around middle school is when I really started to sing, sing, and I just never stopped. Excellent. And those instruments have been with me the whole time. Tell me, I'm going to kind of fast forward here a little bit. Tell me about the rare jaw disease you had and how you've had to deal with it from the surgery, the recovery, and doctors saying that you could never sing again. Well, that was, uh, well, that was rough. Um, I, it's a temporomandibular jaw disorder. And I didn't really know what I had. I didn't really know what was going on. I was recording a record, and I, it was really kind of overnight. Um, there had been pain and just kind of uh, general, I don't know, it was uncomfortable, I guess is what I would say. And then kind of overnight I woke up and I couldn't open or close my mouth. And it was really freaky. I thought I had uh, locked jaw. I thought I needed a tetanus shot, you know. So I went to went to the doctors, went to the doctors, went to the doctors, months and months. And then finally I got referred to this specialist in Dallas who, you know, had seen this before and told me that either people with this particular thing um, have an autoimmune disease um, or an arthritic condition, or they fall into the question mark category. And that's kind of where I fell into. Either way, he told me that they were going to need to take out my joints 
and replace them with a prosthetic. You know, he didn't know what I did for a living and nor, you know, upon me informing him, did he have anything to tell me one way or the other. Um, he hoped for the best and told me to prepare for the worst and that it wasn't really a choice because I, my windpipe would collapse and I would suffocate if I didn't get this surgery. So we rallied together and we did it. We, meaning the community and myself and my family. <laughs> sure. And we, we made it happen. So and I'm still in the process of, of dealing with that and I probably always will. And it's been something very special, but, you know, very difficult at the same time. Which leads into my next question. You have three albums under your belt. What is in the works for either this year or next year? Well, um, I am going to plan a relocation to Kansas City for a while. And I'm going to record a jazz record. And I think I would like to do a live jazz record. And I'm trying to meet with people and figure out exactly how we're going to do that. If we're going to do it in several locations, if we're going to do it live in a room, in a studio, live in studio performance, I'm not quite sure how we're going to do it. But I think it's going to be really exciting. And it's time. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's time. My original band is going to be doing a record as well this year. We've been talking about that for a while. But I want to make sure that I do this jazz record first. It's just been really, really hitting me hard. I'm just really ready for it. I'm excited. I want to do it in Kansas City. Wonderful. <laughs> I can't think of anywhere else to do it. Oh, yeah. So absolutely. That's, that's something that's on the horizon. And I'm, you know, going to be playing and doing things, you know, and people can find that, you know, in the regular regular places, Facebook, Twitter, website, um, MeganBirdsall.com or MBirdMusic.com and find my schedule. But the big stuff is going to be records this year. Wonderful. So why did you move to Nashville? I moved to Nashville because I was ready to do my first original record. And I met a, a really wonderful producer that believed in me a lot. At that time when he met me, I kind of had this batch of songs that I started writing because I didn't think I would ever sing jazz again. I just wasn't sure if I would ever, you know, take a stage again after that kind of a surgery, I was trying to express myself, you know, in a, in a new fashion. And I thought perhaps I would stay in the, in the entertainment world by writing. So I started submitting some of my songs, met this producer. He really liked the music. He really liked me. And he thought that I should do the record myself. I'm glad he did. If it wasn't for him doing that, I'm not sure I would have had the same kind of experience getting well. Uh, certainly wouldn't have had the same kind of confidence around the music. And that's what brought me to Nashville, was meeting this, this person, connecting in, and starting going to this place that already felt like home. The same way that Kansas City feels to me, but it's bizarre how you can go somewhere and you're like, wow, this is, this, this is it. I'm going to be here for a minute, you know? Sure. So that's what brought me there, music, music and healing. So around the country and the world, where have you performed? I have performed in almost every city in the United States. Uh, city. <laughs> I mean state. <laughs> every city in the United States. Um, <laughs> I, let's see, I think we went to, well, yeah, 37. We were 37. Um, we did that on a tour. And then internationally, I guess, you know, Paris. I, I was in Paris in 2010. 
and that was really great. I hope to go everywhere. Yeah, 2010, I yeah went all over the country and then to Paris and back again. <laughs> Where is your favorite place to perform and why? I really like to perform anywhere where people want to listen. That's a hard question for me. And that's really the answer. I really, it doesn't matter to me. I guess if I was going to pick somewhere, I, I like, I like intimate settings a lot. And I like it whether it's just with the musicians or whether it's with people too. And I've, you know, played in lots and lots of different scenarios, but there's really something special about that. So talk to me about your interpretation of the jazz scene nationally right now in 2012. My interpretation of the jazz scene in 2012 is that it is it's changing and growing, and and the same, you know the the you know jazz has this amazing history and it's something that people can really lean on. So there's a consistency that's there all the time, no matter what's happening, and that's really nice. And then there's there's a lot of 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 new ideas and a lot of change that's happening and transition and conversation, you know, back and forth and creativity that's happening um, on lots of different local scenes and nationally too. And it's, it's exciting. I really feel like being, you know, young and involved in this scene is it's, it's, it's lucky. It's lucky. We have a lot of room to grow and a lot to learn and a lot to do. And I think, the local conversations are becoming the national conversations and the national conversations become local. And that also says something about our times. And that's really great. And the music, music is always good. I mean, it, it's always, it's always good. Well said. So who are your jazz heroes and why? I always like Mingus. I like the phrasing. I like his soul. I like his conversation that he has inside of his music. I like his particular, I don't know, his, his, his consistency and his artistic like stamp on everything that he does. I've always gravitated towards that. As far, I mean, vocally, I mean, I'm a vocalist, so I didn't listen to a lot of vocalists until I got more comfortable with myself and the songs. I really just tried to listen to them by themselves, you know, uh, or learn them on the piano. And then, you know, you listen later so you can, you know, read the words, feel their meaning and the music with it, and then try and find some type of delivery. But now, my favorite vocalist, I really love Carmen McRae a lot. I really, really, really like Ella a lot. And I mean, everybody does because she's She's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Carmen McRae is, she's really amazing. Her delivery is always, it's got, it's got a depth to it. I really like those. I guess those are the two today that are, that are on my mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're the original divas, I think. Yeah. And, and, well, I just, and, you know, Mingus especially, I just, I can't tell you, especially recently, I just have been struck. And I maybe I've just been, you know, hanging out with people and we've just been listening a lot lately to that, so it's just on my mind. But so struck at how it, you know, his stuff can almost transform my mood. I mean, from sometimes if I can, you know, just it can just transform my mood, period. I don't need, you know, the qualification is irrelevant, but it's, it's pretty fantastic, so... 
You know, the proof that Mingus is really as good as he is, is, you need to read his biography that came out about a year ago. He just said that to me. That's he, crazy. Okay, he, I'm getting it. You, okay. you, you, okay. they, you know, they, they say that that biography was one of the best well-written jazz bios ever, and they're totally right. It comes from his perspective, but he's writing it in some weird third-person perspective, and it's very... He is. <laughs> yeah, it's very raw, you know, and you can see how he was kind of a volcano for the civil rights movement, and the yeah. music that he made was totally fueled off of all of that angst that he saw all those musicians go through, and I think that's why he was so powerful. I mean, I don't want to interject too much sub- subjectivity in the interview, you, but I, I think you should, really should read it. About, about life. Yeah. That's what's so nice about it is it doesn't even, I feel like he just presents things the way they are and there isn't a whole lot of anything in between. And yeah. then you kind of just sit there. I mean, if you, you know, really, I mean, just sit and listen to it. It has, it has a language. I mean, you know, jazz has a language in and of itself and you go through cycles, you know, you'll hit, you know, the biggest people and sit inside their music and, you know, you're changed, you know, but for him, I really feel like, I don't know. It's just, it's something really special. Another one I wanted to mention is Anita O'Day. Yeah. She's also very good. Very good. I have a, a video of her. That's some kind of like compilation or, um, you know, one of those, uh, television, you know, movies that they do about people. I haven't watched it yet, but it's been sitting on my dresser for a year and a half. I stare at <laughs> it every day. I swear I see her every morning. <laughs> so, That's awesome. She's also very good. Let's hop into the jazz spaceship here, and let's go from Dixieland to bebop to post-bop, West Coast jazz. What style do you like the most? Um, I like, uh, oh, man, that's such a hard question. I like old school. I mean, really, I really like, South Waller tunes. I really do. I like to sing them. <laughs> I like Duke Ellington. <laughs> I like Cole Porter. I mean, there's something about that time period that really, really speaks to me. Listening, oh, it's so hard. I mean, I like all of it. I mean, this, let me, without spending four and a half hours of you and I having a conversation that has nothing to do with this interview, <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the things that I've noticed about myself with music. There is nothing about music that does not speak to me, whether it's jazz or, you know, hardcore punk music. I really, if it's, if it's got something to say and people want to say something, I really, really enjoy it. What I have noticed, even with jazz, and even with some of the best players around, some of the best composers, I mean, things that have, you know, heavy hitters like Herbie Hancock and things like that, you know, in, in these pieces, I get lost a little bit in the, in the eighties and the early nineties. It's like my attention fades. I can't, I get, I get a little lost when I get in there. I don't know if it has something, if I have a block up or something to that, but that's something that I'm trying to get rid of because there's some really great stuff that's happening all the time in all of those different eras of jazz, particularly. And you have to be open to listen to all of it if you want to keep growing and changing and getting better and better and better, especially with this particular genre of music, because that's the whole deal. You have a whole lifetime to continue to get better and better and better and better and better. You, you don't have a shelf life until you're dead. And that's great. <laughs> yeah, well said. You know? Talk to me a little bit about your accomplishments up to this point. 
Well, I'm still alive, Joe. <laughs> 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 um, I, mean, I don't know. Um, I feel like I've been really lucky. I mean, obviously, I, I've, I've, I have had goals in place, like wanting to keep doing this music. This music meaning all of music. I want it all the time. All of it. And I want to write it. I want to sing it. I want to sing other people's. I want to sing my own. Doesn't matter. I think that that's, I think it's a good accomplishment to not have that beat out of you. And yeah. that's something that I see a lot around me, especially with musicians, especially in this industry. Is I always see a lot of people lose that spark. I feel like in some way I'm trying to keep a hold of that. And that's a huge accomplishment for me. As far as like, you know, what have I done? I mean, I've, I've been able to make records. Um, I've been able to travel. I've been able to do festivals and work with famous people and non-famous people who are also amazing. <laughs> and, um, and I'm still, still doing it and travel. And that is, a, that's a big accomplishment. Not sure if that's the answer you were looking for, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a non corporate answer. It's very raw. That's that's very nice. <laughs> well, <laughs> Living the life. Yeah, definitely. Yes, that is definitely true. So let's hop in the jazz DeLorean here. Where would you go to meet two jazz musicians in any time period ever? Who would they be? Oh come on! You're killing me. Okay. <laughs> uh. That's what we do around here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I'm. I, I'm just. I want. I want to meet Louis Armstrong. That's where I would go. I want to go to Chicago when he was playing with King Oliver, and I want to be in the audience. I don't even care if I got to meet him. I just want to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I would go. I would sacrifice both trips for just that one. <laughs> that. That's, that would. That would do it for me. The two leprechauns um, for yeah. one. That would be so cool. Yeah, that would be amazing. So, does does Megan Birdsall live with any regrets? No. Mm-mm. Okay. At this point in your life, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of this one. Maybe the same answer. At this point in your life, is there anything that you would have done differently? No. No, absolutely not. What was it like to give your autograph out for the first time? I thought it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were kidding. I thought we were going to sign maybe for each other. I think I probably tried to sign there. I was like, so what? Don't I, aren't you going to sign anything for me? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> unless, unless, you know, unless they're kids, then you're like, because I remember being, you know, going out to listen to jazz. I remember getting autographs. Woo! That was crazy. Yeah. What album are you listening to? If you're in the CD world or tape, what album are you listening to right now in your car? Or... What is the last thing you listen to on your iPod? I, well, what's on my record player right now is Love Supreme. As that's the truth. <laughs> I haven't been able to, to flip it over. I'm not ready to flip it over. So I go through stages sometimes when I need that record. Can't flip it over yet. That's what's on my record player. I'm going to get back to where we were before we started recording here and kind of prepping the interview. And I have one last question. Describe Megan in one tweet. 144 characters, to be exact. <laughs> no, I... Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? I don't know. I... Let, let's, let, let, me put it, let me put it this way. If someone was to buy your album and they didn't know who you were, but they were interested in a new female jazz voice and they opened up the liner notes, what would be the first sentence in there that you would pick that you think would accurately describe who you are, what you're doing as a musician, and what you want to get across to that listener as a vocalist in the jazz craft? 
well, I don't know if I could answer all of those, but I know that what what came to my mind when you said if somebody opened it up and read the first line, what would I wanted to I would, I would want it to say, thank you. Thank you for supporting me and us. That's how I feel all the time. Well, that's how I feel about this interview. Thank you for your time. That's all I have. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. This was this was fun. I really <laughs> like talking to you. Hey, Megan, this is the engineer. I'm popping in here a moment. You, my darling, are a trooper. I, I was just sitting here. I've been in the business a long time and uh, listening to all forms of music, and I've been just sitting here while, while you've been giving your answers and just nodding emphatically. <laughs> Thank you very much. This has been a really good interview. I, I really, this, you guys are really, this is good. It's easy to talk to. I felt really comfortable just being myself, which is nice, you know. Sometimes you get in interviews and you get scared. I didn't feel that way at all. Good. Yeah, and you shouldn't, you know. It's it's improv. That's jazz. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's great. Megan, thanks again. It was wonderful talking with you. I appreciate you taking your time out and uh, continued success. Thank you. Amen. Righteous. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Night. Night.